Hey guys, um, it's just me today. I'm actually uh, leaving a job on the way back to uh, the shop to head home from work. Uh, I was late on doing this episode. Eli's not going to be a part of this episode, but I did encourage him to read it. Uh, what we went over last time, it was about Obadiah and Jonah. I wanted to do an understanding on those. They are very short books. Uh, Obadiah is only one chapter, and I believe Jonah is four chapters. Um, so just bear with me. I am driving right now. I'm being safe. Eyes are on the road, so no worries here. So this is all going to be based off of my memory. Um, looking at Obadiah. It's only one chapter, and it's got a lot of, I wouldn't even say passive aggressiveness, but when God has uh, given Obadiah this vision concerning the the Edomites, uh, Esau, it, it's reflective in going back to the relationship between Jacob and his brother, where Jacob came out second, uh, grabbing the hill of Esau, and a little bit about the birthright, uh, him giving up his birthright for a bowl of soup. Um, when you read Obadiah, God is pissed. There's a he's it's, a, it's not passive aggressive. It's just aggressive, and he talks about how Esau or Edom would just look on Israel every time it was attacked, but. All of, all of the stuff that they could have done to help Jacob is eventually going to come back and bite him in the ass. And if we're leaking uh, Constantine the Grey to the first horn, speaking like a dragon, and also the first seal, uh, let's see, the first living creature being the lion, uh, the action being performed is a crown being given to this white rider who has a boat. And you know, lion would be Leo during the star dates. Leo, constantly gray, who had the bow because his mother Helena was a Christian and he gained his father's crown. That was the action being performed during the first seal being opened as a crown being given to this individual. And knowing that Constantine Gray is Roman and linking uh, Esau and the Edomites to Rome, um, I feel like it pretty much illustrates how God would use Rome. Now, it does talk about in Obadiah putting an end to the the name of the Edomites. Um, and, of course, that does come off as aggressive. And even with uh, Jews with, like, post-gospel, post-New Testament, or pre-New Testament, uh, pre-gospel, they, um, one of the reasons why they didn't consider the Messiah of the New Testament the actual Messiah is because uh, one of the fulfilled or not really fulfillment or requirement, but one of the things is that the Messiah is supposed to put an end to the oppressor. And, you know, the Jews, they saw Rome as the oppressors and they're even, uh, Rome is even called uh, Babylon by the apostles in some of the letters and I think maybe in the book of Acts, I'd have to go back and look at it. So, with all of this latter-day concerns to uh, Mount Seir, Esau, Edom, there is all synonymous with Rome. 
Uh, so if it says Mount Seir, think Rome. If it says Esau, think Rome. If it says Edom or Edomites, think Rome. And because constant and great, we know lambs don't have horns. That was the very first episode. We're pretty deep into this study, but everybody, you don't have to be like a genius when it comes to the anatomy of livestock. Lambs are babies. They don't have horns. Constant and great would be that first horn. Constantus Augustus Rex, Eklund 666, establishing the universal church whose Ten Commandments allow religion, which is exactly what is Satan breathed. So, Obadiah, with it only being one chapter, it even talks about the remnant of Jacob. So, remnant of Jacob, that would be synonymous with uh, the lost sheep that the Messiah said he came for are the lost Israelites or not even not just saying the lost Israelites but more or less the Israelites that are obedient would be the remnant of Jacob or you can even say the ones that are sealed up and you know, I've talked about that a lot throughout the this uh, podcast where you know we know Ephraim gets destroyed Hosea chapter 5 and we know Ephraim's father, Joseph, is sealed up. His older brother, Manasseh, is sealed up. Dan is not sealed up. Uh, I went over a little bit about Ezekiel, about that that temple that he saw in that vision and, and about the Dead Sea uh, having fresh water brought into it by the Jordan River. And I had a little bit of concern about Dan. Like, why would Dan's name be engraved on the temple but yet they're not sealed up and like I thought about it and it's honestly a little fluke that I made that would just be the latter day tribe of Dan that's not sealed up so I mean of course there would be uh, those descended from the tribe of Dan allowed but there's seems to be a huge is oh, excuse me issue concerning the latter day Dan um and I also uh, said something about making the no people Levites. Uh, I think I said that was in a Hosea. That's not in Hosea. That is actually the very last chapter of Isaiah. Went a little bit about what Jacob said about the latter-day Levites and Simeon, about how he would not enter into their council. And I haven't pulled Zechariah yet, but I did talk a little bit briefly about Zechariah chapter 11. So we would have Jacob... And Zechariah saying that there are going to be some Jews that are cut off while also a shepherd will be raised up by God and will not visit those that are cut off and it's to be understood that that also will be a latter-day thing because the Messiah he called himself a shepherd did he visit the Jews yes he did so it's not talking about that shepherd so there's another shepherd um, is where my studies are leading me to and as I've said, it, it just branches out all sorts of ways. And I've spoken to people about it. And they tell me that we're on the third trumpet, which doesn't make no sense. Because you got to go through like earthquakes and, and the Antichrist and all that stuff. But some people think we're on the third tr- uh, trumpet. Uh, I haven't been able to understand that. So I'm still sticking to my study pattern. And which would basically lead into Jonah. Uh, that's it about Obadiah. It does is 
it's a warning letter to the Edomites. Um, but Jonah, Jonah being, it's only four chapters, and I've spoken about Jonah in earlier episodes where he went to the Ninevites and it was like, repent, you got 40 days, or else God's going to wipe you out. And they did, they repented. And then Jonah, he gets upset. He doesn't understand why God has spared them. And so God gives him a tree, and then the tree sheltered him, and then he said a worm, and the word worm ate the tree, and then he was just pissed off again. And that's where God was basically just trying to teach him, I will show sympathy on anybody. I've showed sympathy on you where you were mad at the Ninevites. And it's that's that's been a repetitive thing about God showing sympathy. He does it he says it in Ezekiel. He doesn't take any pleasures uh, condemning anybody to Sheol or hell or Hades or whatever you want to call, call it. He don't take no pleasure in it. He just wants them to turn from their ways. And that would just be sin. Sin just being hate. It, it, you can't really attach what religion calls sin. Like uh, Catholicism, they got their own definition for sin. Whereas the Bible's definition for sin is transgression of the law. And law being fulfillment is love. So sin would be hate. Um, but that goes with what Jonah says. It goes hand in hand into what the Messiah said. And I'm sure this is going to be a noisy episode because I'm driving a work truck. Um, but that goes into the sign of Jonah. The 40 days. 40 days to repent or, you know... Uh, the town will be destroyed. We saw that with uh, when Jerusalem was ransacked in 70 AD, 40 years after the Messiah was crucified or killed on a stake or whatever your translation says. But it's to be understood that when he was asked while he was still alive, he said the only sign for an adulterous generation is the sign of Jonah. And with it being an adulterous generation, if the New Testament, if one of the messages that the Messiah spoke out against was man-made doctrine, now a lot of atheists, they say, oh, well, the law of Moses is a man-made doctrine. I, I can see how, like, yeah, Moses was a man. Moses wrote the book of Deuteronomy. But when you, like, if you don't strip away what the actual theology teaches you don't really have an argument and when you do strip it away you have an argument but the thing is it was just love that that's it. it's a moral code of love and Moses I don't think he was he would actually take the time to write out every single scenario and how to pacify it with peace he's not going to do that he's only going to write probably the common issues and Paul he spoke a little bit about it too in one of his uh, one of his letters I don't know if it was first or second Corinthians but you know Paul he taught Torah too about reaping your rewards about muzzling an ox while it treads the soil so that way he can take part in eating some of the the seeds and the grain and all that stuff so with it being understood about an adulterous generation and him preaching against men make doctrine 
it's not well adultery isn't just cheating on God with a false God it can also be cheating on God with an imaginary friend which is also what I've said in the past when you get so deep in like man-made traditions you're not worshiping it doesn't link to any God at all but it also doesn't link to the God of Abraham neither it just links to your imaginary friend so I'm not saying that that is whoring but I'm not saying that it isn't neither so Jonah and Obadiah would basically give us a little bit of understanding aside from the part where you know God says uh, I hate Esau a lot of people do that to try to justify uh, let's see black Hebrew Israelites I think they think white people are Edomites which that's that's funny um, can't back it up with science you can't back it up with scripture you can't even back it up with can't back it up with anything um personally i i uh i went out i got me a dna test from uh family tree dna and it took like six to eight weeks for me to get my results in and i got my results and it's just as i thought i'm a mutt i believe everybody's a mutt uh it did show some link to uh judaism now, if you were to actually entertain one of these DNA tests, you have to understand one, your DNA is only going to be compared to the same pool of donators that that company uses. If I buy a DNA test from Family Tree DNA and you buy a DNA test from Ancestry.com, your DNA is not going to get tested against mine. I only bought mine against Family Tree DNA. And I got my results back. I am Palestinian. I think that's very interesting. And I also matched up with a Sephardic Jew. And eight, I don't know how to pronounce this, Mizrachi Jews. I think I said that right. M-I-Z-R-A-C-H-I. So, just like with Christianity... There are denominations of Judaism, but these denominations are a little bit more unique, whereas denominations just solely ride on the sacrifice. These, these denominations of Jews, from what I understand, like I didn't really, like I tried studying a little bit about it, uh, aside from being short on time and, you know, not actually finding any decent information. It's because of where the diasporas actually sent them, like uh, Sephardic Jews. The person that I matched with, he lives in Morocco. That doesn't mean that he was born there. Me, I was born in Germany. I live in America. If you get a family tree DNA test and you match with me, it would say that I am American. By blood, I guess I am. I'm a military brat, but at the same time, there's too many variables to take into account. I matched with somebody that lived in Turkey. Does that mean that they were Turkish? No, that just means that that's where they lived. So, I studied a little bit about my results, about uh, Mizrachi Jews uh, in Azores. 
Uh, there were some Jews that made their way over to Azores. I, I didn't have a chance to study on that. But something interesting about the Sephardic Jews is there's this website. It's a Jewish website. Uh, C-H-A-B-A-D dot org. Chabad uh, or I don't know how to pronounce it. Uh, they actually linked the Sephardic Jews to uh, the tribe of Judah. So I do have that in me. Uh, as far as the other tribes, I don't know. So even if we've got all these latter-day tribes being sealed up and not being sealed up, like with the tribe of Dan, Dan is not sealed up. But if you're a mutt, you may be related to the tribe of Dan and you may be related to the tribe of Zebulun. So it can be a little nerve-wracking if you want to have that kind of commitment to that kind of study in genealogy. I don't really see the point. But if you're doing it for fun, I do encourage it only for fun because if you try to take it serious, it will probably upset you because you ain't going to get nowhere. You can only get a really decent hit hint, but that's it. But with Obadiah, we learned that there's consistency in Rome. And something I want to say that I did not pull, that I did not specify is actually from Jeremiah. <laughs> um, if we've got this intervention of God against Esau or Mount Seir or the Edomites in the book of Obadiah and we've got Catholicism being a Roman religion sitting on seven hills and linking that to the whore of Babylon where people's nations and tongues are grafted into because that's what it says in Revelations it says, I will, what does it say? Pour my cup or something like that. That goes a little bit hand in hand with Jeremiah. And I'll talk with that. I'll talk about that a little bit more. Uh, I want to talk to Eli about doing a recap on Revelations. But I think Eli's right. I think I need to go a little bit more into the prophets before I do that. But Jeremiah says that Babylon is his cup. And I've already, I forgot who I pulled it from. I've got to, got to look at my notes because I'm just driving right now. But I've already went over how one prophet said that uh, Babylon was God's tool, God's weapon. And Jeremiah even says that Babylon is his cup. So taking that information back over with us into Revelations, it seems to be a little bit more consistent than it already was which it already was but that's it uh, we got the sign of Jonah from Jonah about an adulterous generation and God just trying to teach Jonah to show sympathy and with Obadiah God is mad at the Edomites but that's it. Let me look at my uh, thing right here. And we'll, we got Micah. We got Nahum. Micah is seven chapters. Nahum is three. 
Alright, so I'm going to go over Micah and Mayhem. Hopefully have the episode done before the end of this weekend. I got to get with Eli about his schedule. We'll see when we can get it out to y'all. But that's it. Later. Oh,